welcome to the Mother Love Podcast. This is Claire Larson, your host, and this project was made possible because of the support of Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, the Montana Coalition. Mother Love was created to promote healing, connection, and shared wisdom through stories. Like any given day spent parenting, each episode brings a balance of tears, laughter, wonder, and surrender. When it comes to parenting, no one should go it alone. On Mother Love, we see you, we hear you, we're in this together. Hi, Mother Love listeners. I'm here with Greg Daly today. Hi, Hi Mother Lovers. <laughs> we So this is funny to have you on the podcast, Greg, for several reasons. One, I invited you on because guests kept bringing your name up. Uh-huh. And so that was sort of, I, I said in a previous episode, I think we're going to have to have Greg on. Uh-huh. I also talk about circle of security often. I mention it often, but I don't really go into it. Right. So that'll be great to touch on today. And then also, you know, I took your class and I, it was really great. And so we'll talk about that today, your circle of security class that you offer here in Helena. And then I have some, you know, very personal questions (laughs) because that's what we do here. Um, just about I'm ready for yeah, it. you're ready. I'm, I'm not, ready a, I'm not it. afraid to I'm ask you questions. Old, you are. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. true. How are you today? I'm doing good. Yeah. I, I've been looking forward to this and you know, it's always on my mind. Um, I think of that old idea of regulatory feedback in the brain mm-hmm. that when you're sleeping, your brain is passing information around knowing you're going to do something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt like my brain has been doing that. Cool. Well, good. Well, then you're ready. (laughs) You're primed and ready. Yeah. It's just what I'm excited about something. Yeah. I I guess that. I love the work that you all do here. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful work. Yeah. And we love the work you do. And I know a little bit about what you do. And this is a funny, this is like maybe one of the um, (laughs) funniest questions I ask, which usually it isn't. But when I say to Greg, what is it that you do, Greg? It's like we need a five episode series. (laughs) So that so well, I'm going to narrow it down a little bit because I know that you work for Lewis and Clark County Public Health. I'm very fortunate to work for Lewis and Clark Public Health. Yes. Yeah. 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 And you, you know, your official titles, I Googled you. Oh, did you? Because I want it because I know a little bit about what you do, but there are names for it. So you're the home visiting coordinator. Okay. That's listed. Okay. I know that you teach circle of security. That's also listed on there. Okay. And then interestingly, seven generations is listed yes, after it is. your name. So maybe we can just talk a little bit about what each of those sure. things are. And I oftentimes say that I'm a special projects coordinator. Mm-hmm. A long time ago, Mary Beth Frederis, who used to be in charge at the health department, said you can call yourself anything if you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But um, anyway, um, sure. Fair. Yeah. That's good. So let's start with home visiting and what that program is and what your role is with that. Okay. I've served, you know, I'm going on 29 years at the health department, so I've had a lot of different roles. Yeah. That's a long time to work in public health. It is. Yeah. And I didn't know what public health was before I did it. It really is a lovely thing. I mean, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and I just love anywhere with the philosophy of public health. I uh, I had read David Olds, who is the kind of the big 
push behind nurse family partnership, mm-hmm. which ironically, I'm not qualified to do because I'm not a nurse. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, but at one time, you can't call yourself that if you can't do it, right? Right. I have a lot of <laughs> nurse training because yeah. I've been in public health and I've worked with a lot of lovely nurses and I have a special place in my heart for nurses. Yeah. However, I read about David Old's research, you know, 30 years ago, Healthy Families Hawaii, and I thought, well, I'm the head of the, you know, Council to Prevent Child Abuse in Helena, which is a thing I was just doing on the side. Mm -hmm. I was the president, and I thought, I'll go to the health department and see if we can get a home visiting program going. Mm -hmm. Well, they already had one. Oh, funny. (laughs) But... I think I had a pretty big impact on how it went because when I left, just my, you know, um, friendly knock on the door, they offered me a job. Mary Beth Frideries asked me to mm-hmm. stay. And, and um, I think I've had a pretty big impact on home visiting, you know, since that time in Lewis and Clark County. Yeah, I'd say so. And, I'll, you know, um, the great majority of my work has been home visiting and how to coordinate home visiting. And with, you know, kind of an underlying assumption I've had about the world is its modern world is somewhat toxic mm-hmm. for families and children. Yeah. It doesn't serve the needs of the family many times because of the demands of modern society and mm-hmm. modern warfare and modern finance. And But yeah. anyway, I, you know, I was lucky enough to be hired and I, you know, had an attachment orientation that if we somehow the one magical thing that we can do for our families is to have more attachment in the home and I've always also been very interested in attachment in the community Mm -hmm. so I've always had some kind of a community group where folks can get together and commiserate have a support group have you know, function on a level outside of the home mm-hmm. in an attachment-oriented space. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, you found on there that I was the coordinator. That's an old title, but I did coordinate the program for quite some time. And right now I'm coordinating a program called Seven Generations, mm-hmm. which is another way. Um, uh, there's a number of folks that have trouble with incarceration and a criminal lifestyle and many times that's due to the criminalization of addiction yeah that you know hopefully that we can change um, how we think about addiction in this culture at some point to not criminalize it Mm -hmm. but to you know have more healing around it but we do have some money in this community that our community does care about that and they do want to stop the cycle of incarceration and What I've noticed is it's very much driven by addiction. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I think that makes so much sense. So it's worth saying seven generation comes from a native story and philosophy of the seven generations that anything you do, you consider the impact on seven generations. Mm -hmm. With a child, of course, every interaction with a child in the seven generation story would be to consider what's in their best interest, would be to consider what is the most loving, you know, uh, what, what's going to um, help this young person develop into a vital member of the community, mm-hmm. um, kind of a response to all their needs. Mm-hmm. Because they don't, 
you know, they didn't see children as wasting their time in any way, trying to get attention or trying to do this or that. Mm -hmm. Every interaction meant something. Mm -hmm. So, and why then would you care that deeply? Well, because it impacts the next seven generation of human beings. Yeah. Now that story is true, and that's mm -hmm. the name of our program. Mm -hmm. And it has obvious um, implications, mm -hmm. and it's true on its own. But now with all the brain science that's out there, yeah, it's, it's, epigenetics it's, it's just and, yeah. epigenetics. Mm -hmm. It's just verifying everything that we know mm -hmm. about that story has been proved scientifically. And it's kind of interesting because it's something that grew out of an organic Right. Gut feeling, intuitive, yeah, more connected part of a you know a culture that maybe was more connected than we are to the natural world. Right. So part of what I understand that you do, or that you that you do, and that you help other people to understand is that just because something disastrous or traumatic happened and could have the implication to ripple for seven generations, there are things now that exist that can try to disrupt that and repair so that it stops or at least partially heals and changes and doesn't continue on through all those generations. And that's really the hopeful thing. Yeah. Is by really calling this out and being aware the big word is aware that we can respond to our kids' needs mm -hmm. and stop the flow mm -hmm. of trauma yeah. and create resiliency yep. in our children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been thinking, like I say, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, to offer folks the technology to do that is embedded within the circle of security program. Yeah. That's why I love it so much. It's so elegant. It's so graceful. It's so deep. I always say I wish I wrote it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just trained in it, and I offer it to people. Mm -hmm. um, thank God for the, you know, the originators of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but to have that technology at our fingertips is an extremely healing thing to do within the family. And to the degree that we, you know, that our world is just too fast-paced. You know, I think it has implications for daycare, child care, mm -hmm. uh, education. And um, I try to make sure that all the professionals that are working with any family are trained in circle of security. Mm -hmm. Because it's just a vital technology that we have at our fingertips. And it's exciting. It's yeah. 60 years of attachment research. Yeah. Yeah. And in case some of our listeners don't know what we mean by attachment, can you kind of briefly like nutshell version yeah. the, your understanding of it and how Circle of Security utilizes that? Um, you know, I would say that we grow up, you know, we are initially formed in a very close relationship with our mother. Hmm. We grow up inside of our mothers. We should always honor our mothers, you know, for, for that. Uh, we know that even at that point, epigenetics is active. Mm -hmm. If mom lives in a supportive environment worth versus a non-supportive environment, the baby feels that. Mm -hmm. So you begin to understand your place in the relationship very early on, mm -hmm. on a pre-verbal level, you know, on an energetic level. Mm -hmm. 
you know, how is our relationship forming where I do attach to another person and another person attaches and bonds to me? And what is the nature of that relationship that either promotes my growth as a human being or suppresses my growth as a human being? And it's usually on a spectrum. None of us are all good or all bad at yeah. it. So we're always negotiating, really in some ways, closeness and distance in attachment. Mm -hmm. And our safe spot, where do we feel safe? Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully we have a safe place in our homes and with our primary caregivers. And that there is nothing off the table in terms of learning. <laughs> and my dog is dreaming right now over there as I talk. And she makes noise. You might be able to hear it. There's a lot of different, right. you know, like it's scientific. It's huge, yeah. There's a scientific, you know, like uh, definition of attachment. But, it, you know, it is that primary relationship that we are experiencing that tells us about ourselves and whether we belong in the world or not. And to what degree we belong in the world or not. In the seven generation program, folks that are, you know, have serial incarceration issues, I think have learned somewhere that they don't belong in the world. Yeah. They're, and then they often find belonging with other yeah. people who are yeah. incarcerated yes. who have not felt like they've belonged anywhere. Yes. And then that is sort of its own. Yeah. And it's a, you know, and it just kind of replicates itself. Totally. And then yeah. for when we're trying to manage something as a society in a really good hearted way. Mm -hmm. We tend to produce more of it yeah. unintendedly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one, one thing that's interesting to me that I know of you because of sitting in your classroom setting is that whole space is about connection and about being with people in hard emotions, hard situations, asking really hard questions. And so... I know that that is a skill that takes it. You have to really feel your own sense of belonging and be comfortable with your own wounds and your own healing process in order to be with people in theirs. And so I'm curious, like, how did you get there for yourself? So you noticed that in the class? Well, yeah. I mean, some of like people would be saying really hard things that have happened to them, really hard things that were going on in their homes. And you, it's not like you are immune to it, but you're really comfortable hearing that stuff and not trying to like redirect or minimize, or you just are, it's the being with, which is one of the principles. Yes. Yeah. There was a journalist that took the class one time and he was in there as a parent. Many times our classes have a mixture of folks. There mm -hmm. might be a couple of professionals in there. Oftentimes there might be some parents that heard about the class from somebody else and there might be some court ordered folks mm -hmm. in there or there might be some folks in there that are treating some very complex trauma mm -hmm. issues like you say and I, I it was one of the coolest things i'd ever heard the, the the journalist he wrote me a letter about how within 15 minutes everyone in there was not on any other level but a parenting level mm -hmm. and a parent within the group yep and within that group, I've seen a female county attorney get up and go over and hug a mom that, you know, there may have been a case against this mom at one point from the department because of concerns over child safety. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, you know, we drop all of our pretenses in there when we become 
who we are in this world together because mm-hmm. we really are here together. How did I, how did I achieve that? Did you say? How did yeah. I... I mean, I know that you had your own like, you know, journey of childhood trauma and you had your own journey as a dad having to address some of the things that were from generations handed down to you. Yeah. You know, I've had my share of painful things to work with and I think, you know, primarily when I, when I think a lot about it, I think of my mother. My mother was an extremely um, loving person. I, there's hardly anyone that, you know, she's died a long time ago now, like in 1987. And there's not a lot of people I run into that knows my mom. But at one time, that's the one thing how everyone would describe her as really an unconditionally loving person. Mm-hmm. And in some ways... I don't know where she got that from, but I think I had a hint um, of what it was like, you know, to experience unconditional love. And Mm -hmm. I thought that's what everyone deserved Mm -hmm. because later on I, you know, came acquainted with the infinite worth theory. You know, Mm -hmm. we all have infinite worth. Mm -hmm. And if there's, I I didn't used to believe in evil, Mm -hmm. but if there is evil, it's the idea that anybody's life is worth more than any others Mm -hmm. by wealth, by fame, by any marker, Mm -hmm. none of us are worth more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Now, somehow I've been grappling with that all my life, even though I couldn't do it sometimes, even though I didn't have the unconditional love at all times with my boys that I wanted or at all times in my primary relationships that I wanted. And then aces came along. And I have a high ACE score. Mm-hmm. You know, my ACE score is a six. Mm-hmm. And that's that's worth noting. And yeah. that's worth taking to your family doctor and yeah. saying, you should be aware that I have this ACE score of six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we know that adverse childhood experience, we will take trauma from childhood mm-hmm. and apply it to our own health and adulthood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it can really we can develop all kinds of disease. Yeah. So I may be wandering a little bit here, but when I became aware of my ACE score, Mm -hmm. which has some health implications, it gave me insight into my struggle. Mm -hmm. And everything that I've ever run across, I think the more we know, the more self-reflective we are, the more insight we have, apart from being defensive and having sensitivities and deflecting things that are painful. Um, We just do better and our relationships do better around us. Mm -hmm. So I I remember gunfire in my home. I remember knockdown drag out fights in my home, not with me, but with um, my uh, dad and my brother. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember a lot of World War II trauma that my dad brought back from World War II, you know, screaming in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. revisiting Mm -hmm. warfare. You know, we're bringing all that trauma home. Every time we thank someone for their service, we also should acknowledge the fact that they're bringing trauma home to some degree or another Mm -hmm. and that we need to work with that trauma. Yeah. Anyway, um, that gave me some grounds, you know, to... I think 
probably empathize mm -hmm. with folks that have even more trauma than I do. Right. Or maybe even less. Yeah. It, we really, it's very difficult to compare our trauma histories and rate one as worse. Totally. Or better or less than or more mm -hmm. than anybody else. We're, right. We're all, as my friend Cheryl says, bozos on the same bus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I keep coming back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I have, I do think what you just said is the key to anybody in social work, any kind of social work. And um, my mother-in-law uh, was a therapist and that was the one thing she said. And a uh, therapist that I had, Dick Rosenleaf in Butte, that's one thing he said. I mean, you really have to do a pretty fearless inventory of your mm -hmm. life and how you respond to things. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, um, or else you will be kind of projecting all over everyone you run into. You won't really be working with them. Right. You'll be working with your your pain body yep. with them. Yeah. You'll be constantly reacting to your own pain body. Yeah, right. Which is not what I wanted to do. No. I wanted to be effective. I really, for some reason, the pain in this world really bothered me, um, you know, it might sound ridiculous, but I saw a show called Little Big Man that portrayed, yeah, I know that maybe. you know, mm -hmm. the atrocities of what happened to the Native American community. And it, as a child, it, it really bothered me. Yeah. I mean, to the point where I just didn't really want to join up. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to go get a doctorate yeah. or become an attorney or, you know, yeah. I just didn't want to join up. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say... I am so have so much gratitude for public health because mm -hmm. it couldn't be more like where humble I'm, work. Yeah, humble yeah. work where I'm suited to work. Mm -hmm. What I love about my work life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want to wander too much. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm answering. No, the question. I, I mean that was one of the things I wanted to talk about with you was um, Aces and this new oh. philosophy of positive childhood experiences, yeah. which I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. yeah, which I think you and I talked about a little bit in the class, but I was telling you about this study that just came out this year in Montana. It's the hope project, which is healthy outcomes from positive experiences. Oh yes, yes, yes. So the, they did this study, the Montana Institute, and they found that there, the more PCEs, which is positive childhood experiences yes. that existed in someone's life as yes. they were growing up, there was an, a less of a likelihood that they would get, that they would have substance use disorder. That is why yeah. it is so apt. The seven generation idea is so absolutely important. Mm-hmm is that we never give up, that we never are hopeless, but that we do provide those. Mm -hmm. Now, something that I've learned over the years is every child has something that they need to be good at. They bring their own dharma, their own soul, their own skills into this world. And it's really, once we have the basic attachment skills, and I don't mean so many parenting approaches are to um, contain maneuver, yeah. manage children. Circle of security is about creating a connection and creating a relationship on a solid ground, mm -hmm. which then gives us the chance to do these more positive things. We have yeah. more time, more energy to be positive rather than to field all kinds of tantrums and things that are we 
ways children are kind of going out on strike for not having their basic needs met. Yeah. And it's not a thing to blame parents with. There's no blame anywhere in this yeah. equation. Yeah. Anywhere. I hope no one's hearing that. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. But and yeah, I, that, yeah. that is so vitally important. And that's why just as a neighbor, you can be so important. The whole project thing. Mm-hmm. I had a neighbor in my life that, you know, gardened. And I had a garden forever. Totally. You know, I started gardening when I was a small child with this neighbor, yeah. friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And it was like so much fun to me to watch my carrots grow. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge impact on me that offset the, yeah. you know, the gunfire that I heard one night. And uh, the thing about the gunfire in my life, when I look back on it now, yeah. it wasn't that there was gunfire. Mm-hmm. It's that I was placed in a room alone and the door was shut and they went to deal with it. It might have been the exact greatest thing to do. Right. <laughs> but I was left alone in a room not knowing what anybody was doing. Yeah. And I'm editing the F word out there. Right. Yeah. You know, I was just, yeah, I can still see myself yeah. in that room wondering what the F was going to happen. Totally. Yeah. But anyway, that's and that's I think what most kids, you know, I mean, our our positive responses to trauma even can be healing. Yeah. And I think that it's so important because, you know, we we talked when when ACEs came about, when adverse childhood experiences came about and we really started to look at the health outcomes and how that impacted people. It was like good information, but it was always like, oh, man, this sucks. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is so hard. And so it's not that um, well, it's not side. that. Yeah, it's not that positive childhood experiences cancel that out. But like you said, I feel like as soon as people knew about ACEs, like there was kind of this despair and defeat and they were like, oh, well, great. <laughs> like yeah. not only have I had this really hard life, but now like medically I'm, I'm at yeah. risk. And, and with positive childhood experiences, you know, it's like teachers who have kids who come in or people who want to help, but felt like they couldn't do anything for so long. Like now there's an example of like, you actually can do something pretty small, like on a regular basis with a kiddo who's in that situation, and it will make a difference in their lives. And it's really exciting. Yeah. And it really calls out the subtle nuances that exist within trauma. We have to acknowledge trauma in our life to heal it. Yeah. However, we can't be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. We can't be worried that our kids are going to not have negativity, failures, different things happen in their life. You know, they're 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 hardwired there yeah. like Brené Brown says to manage stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is have a much more aware way that we manage that stuff mm-hmm. and then respond to it and then rise above it. Yeah. and have those positive experiences. Yeah. I was with a group of women um, that are in a involved in a sober program and they were very much um, excited about the positive green signs of a relationship, not the red flags, the mm-hmm. green flags. Mm-hmm. They'd never thought about what is positive to look for in a relationship before. Yeah. They were always looking for the negatives. Totally. Know, about, yep. well, I can't date that guy mm-hmm. because, you know, I, he'll mm-hmm. beat me up. That's all good to know. But what are the positive yeah. things that we're looking yeah. for? Yeah. And it frees us to look at that side of the coin. Yep. It really does. Yeah. 
And it makes sense that the the red flags and the alarms came about first because it's like the the result of those things was so detrimental and so that it was like you can't not look at that. But then once people started to realize like, okay, so we've looked at that and now what? Now we're all feeling like totally like, oh God, mm-hmm. you know? And so when people started to realize like, okay, if you if that's the case and then you need to replace those horrible experiences or conditions with something else but if you don't know what that looks like like you're saying you can't have those new experiences you're just kind of left in no man's land and i've you know i have the um just i've been you know people have trusted me with their just most um private um vulnerable stories yeah from you know new new time moms to child protective workers to therapists to just ordinary folks like me struggling in the world. And, and we all get hung up on our shark music. And mm-hmm. that's something that we talk about in Circle of Security. If you can't interdict your shark music, otherwise, you know, blast from the past, mm-hmm. things you're afraid of, mm-hmm then it interrupts those positive moments that you're trying to do something with your kiddos. Yeah. 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 And I think shark music is like, we talked about like what were my biggest takeaways from the class and that was one of them. And just to like, just because maybe some parents are listening and they don't know what that means, I'll just give an example. So, so last night, you know, we were at home and, and my kiddos were, (laughs) were like having a big, we were just, dinner did not go the way we all wish it would have. You know, mom gets home, we're tired, I'm making dinner, it goes on the table. It's tacos, which is like usually a win. Single mom gets home. Yeah, single mom. So I'm like, you know, scampering to get things on the table. And then somebody's mad because there's like no meat. It's just a bean and cheese taco this night. And like the other person's upset. I can't remember. Oh, just because didn't want tacos. No soft shells. I only had hard shells. So it's like all these things. And I am like totally in shark music mode because one, I have a hard time when with disappointment as an emotion. So when my kids are disappointed, I, that's an emotion that I have like a really hard time being with because I don't want to disappoint people ever. Right. So that's my own stuff. Do you personalize it? Yeah, of course. Is it something about you that's not good enough? Yeah. Like, and I, and, and, and the thing about it's not good enough is hard because I'm really trying my hardest, right? Like it, and it's not easy. And so then it's like, well, shit, if I, if that's not good enough, like, I don't know what more I can do. So it's this whole like disastrous tornado of everybody's big emotions. And when shark music is happening, it's really hard to stay in the present moment. Like it's like, it's like PTSD sort of, and your own childhood experiences come in and you're looking through this filter of like, chaotic just dysregulation so you know I mean (laughs) so so that's something that we learned about in class is like when you can recognize that that's happening it changes the course of what like it changes what you'll do next as the parent so the philosophy is like be bigger stronger wiser kinder whenever possible and so we tried that and then ultimately we all needed to just walk away from the dinner table and like 
take a minute and then start over. Yeah. And and that worked. But getting there as opposed to like, okay, like no more TV tonight and you go to your room and I'm going to go outside and you go to, like, that's yeah. what my tendency in, in the past would have been like. Everyone just gets punishments now. It's very minimal <laughs> lashing out, but it's lashing out. Yeah, right? totally. And, and the lashing out, there's no end to lashing out. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, to take away... It just causes more lashing out. Yeah, to take away their stuff is pretty minimal. You yeah. Know that, I mean, you know, nobody would listen to you saying that and call you out on it, I don't think. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been very healing. And it just doesn't work, yeah. really. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And then when the thing you have doesn't work and you don't have anything else you're like oh great you know so um so anyway that that i feel like it just feels so much better to respond on a different level yeah and i never would have known that 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 was even happening because we talk about how awareness is the biggest piece i wouldn't have known that 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 was going on and operating within me before learning about that and learning about that was like going into my own childhood and realizing like what were my caregivers not able to be with me in emotionally and so I was left like you said in a locked room by myself whenever I had these certain emotions not knowing how what to do so I still get that feeling and so it's learning about that and then having to like it's not like you go out of Greg's class and you're like great I know all the things like it's like you actually have like 125 more things to work on well and, and, and circle of security is a state of mind and it's not that hard to come by you don't have to meditate for 10 years to get there yeah however if you open up to it and and, and you're not, you know, I mean, it does take a little bit of self-reflection as we say. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I don't, and I in don't... my case therapy, like I, I yeah. like have to work on these things every week yeah. really deliberately. Otherwise they're running my life and they always have been. I just didn't know it. And it's not about blame. Mm-mm. It's so hard to stay away from blame. Yeah. Because it's certainly what is it with blame? blame. Why do we all blame all the time? Well, you know, I mean, I think Brene Brown talks about it as a way to discharge our emotional feelings onto others. Mm-hmm. You know, we some kind of a shame-based response, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, and I like the way she talks about it. I'm not a groupie or anything, but I kind of want to No, be. I think that's when I've heard about it too. And she <laughs> but, talks um, about how it's a sense of control. Yeah. But like if we what? can blame something, then we feel like we've controlled it. shame-bound yeah. society. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot going on. I mean, you know, our, you know, there's a lot of things going on that contribute to that. And um, however, it's our sensitivities. Circle of security calls defense mechanisms sensitivities, mm-hmm. which I really love. They've depathologized a lot of pathological sounding stuff. Yeah. Like, let's confront your, you know, your um, self-defense mechanisms today here. <laughs> Which you is know, like so, a mean, surefire <laughs> way to make someone defensive, right? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to defend my defense mechanisms. And instead they kind of say, well, when this stuff happens at the dinner table and you have your sensitivities come up and you, you, you're able to identify your sensitivities because of your shark music. So you become more aware of what's going on. You're more able to function within what your kids need. Mm-hmm. And the more we can meet our kids' needs, the, it just, it, it just uh, creates a deeper relationship mm-hmm. with anybody. Yeah. Our partners, our kids, right. our employers, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Employees. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because it's like that example that I gave, like I was able to be coherent enough to handle that well, but like, that's not how it always goes. And sometimes I totally screw it up. And we talk about this in class too, is like, as long as your kids know that you're trying and you're doing your best and they are sometimes seeing rupture and repair in a healthy way, that there's progress being made. That is. That's really helping what all the research points to mm-hmm. kids don't need a perfect parent yeah in fact you. i think kids really don't need a perfect parent <laughs> right really 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 don't need a perfect parent i think that's a setup on so many levels yeah however if a parent just gives up or yeah. has no awareness to these things mm-hmm. that's also obvious and kids aren't like looking at that it's just scary because it doesn't give them an option it doesn't give them a way in Mm-hmm. It doesn't give them an obvious way to get their needs met. It's not like they digest this on any kind of right. mind level and kind of think, well, if I can't do it this way, I'll do it this way mm-hmm. and then I'll get them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll really go after them and get my attention this way. Right. It's not. They're struggling for connection. Yeah. They're struggling to find a way in mm-hmm. for connection. And when doors are shut mm-hmm. to any of these needs, whether it's the bottom of the circle or the top of the circle mm-hmm. that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Kids know it, and, you know, behaviors generate from there. Most behaviors generate from yeah. those needs not being met and kind of, you know, running into an adult that is not trying or not aware. Mm-hmm. Once they run into an adult, hopefully their parent, their mom or dad, but it could be anybody that loves them, mm-hmm. right? A foster parent, an uncle, whatever. Um. I mean, that really opens things up. Mm-hmm. You know, they, oh, okay, there's a way in here. Mm-hmm. I see a way in. The door is cracked. Yeah. I'm not to worry. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, you know, people fail and fumble all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the most heated classes that we had was like, or or maybe like moments in many classes was when we would come in and we'd be like, Greg, this thing happened this morning. It was a disaster before school and everybody was in tears. Like, this is me. I'm using my example again, but like we were all just like in rough shape when I dropped the kids off at school this morning. And I talked to my mom and she said, ask you, like, what do I do? <laughs> and your answer in those situations was, oh, it was never like to address the situation. It was almost always like you have to fill, like the kids need their cups filled. And when we fill our kids' cups, not in these like war zones, then when we get to these places, it will be different. The behaviors will change naturally. Exactly. Maybe talk about that. Well, always in in a rough situation, kids need a parent that has a confident presence that's bigger, stronger, wiser, kind. So that, you know, they don't like beat up their little brother or they don't, you know, things don't like tumble into um, a huge snowball. However, what we want to do as soon as we can regulate the system to one degree or another Mm -hmm. is to provide that connection that fills that cup that then um, there's... There's a, there's a tape in Circle of Security where a child hits the parent in the face. Mm-hmm. But the parent continues to go through the feeling with the child and be there and provide a confident, confident space and then come out the other side. And when coming out the other side, the child is open 
to receiving nurturing and getting the cup filled and feeling good. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They can do that. They can generate alternatives. They can generate ways to repair rupture. Mm-hmm. They can generate options other than getting back on my phone or breaking a lamp or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> their mind, their their neurobiology is now online to where it wasn't before. Right. That's why we don't solve problems when the you know the frontal cortex mm-hmm. is not online. Yeah. It's just almost ridiculous yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. So I had a member of law enforcement. He taught me so much. Mm-hmm. He wanted to interdict right at the moment the kid hit the parent in the face. And mm-hmm. it wasn't an all out, Yeah, you know, I'm going to get my brass knuckles out and right. knock you out. Yeah. It was a little three-year-old, you know, hitting in the face. And the mom said, you may be angry, but you may not hit me. And then they just waited through the feelings. Mm-hmm. But the law enforcement person, God bless him, I'm pro-law enforcement, don't hear that I'm not, wanted to interdict right there. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think we ended up agreeing to disagree. But there's a way to be with those feelings, work through them, bring the frontal cortex back on board, yeah. fill the needs, and then have a meaningful learning. It's not You're not letting anybody off. Right. You're not, like, delaying the punishment that somebody deserves. Right. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know. So, such you, a scary voice I, when you go into that place. Well, you know what I mean? Really, we, we exist there. I, I used to kind of say scary things during class when I thought people were kind of going to sleep and not taking this seriously. <laughs> We've all been scared and terrified shitless, I think, in yeah. our families yeah. at times. Yeah, totally. You know, by, you know, di- you know the mm-hmm. ways that, you know. Uh, because parents feel helpless and little and they doubt themselves so they get too big yeah yep yeah yeah and I mean I still catch myself like trying to launch into like lecture or lesson mode when my kids are just going apeshit and it's like I can see that they can't hear me yeah like I know right I know that this isn't working but like it's like but I'm going to be heard. Like, that's my scary, like, but, but you like, but this is why I'm being mean. Like, it's like, I justify it because like this lesson is so important. Right. But nobody can hear me until they calm down. And it's my job to help them calm down. And when I'm not calm, guess what? I'm not good at helping people calm down. So like, it's really learning about yourself and your own capacity and capability rather than learning like how to parent a child who's like, you know, well, what do we call a strong-willed child or whatever? And, you know, um, Circle of Security does a good job of putting everybody at ease and then coming in the back door <laughs> on totally. all those lessons. It's true. <laughs> because it really is about that. It really is about our self-regulation, being disciplined disciplinarians. Mm-hmm. Just listening to your, you know, how it's given you a prism mm-hmm. to look at what's going on in your life mm-hmm. in a moment that is very confusing for most of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we have a bunch of unmet needs, mm-hmm. meet the unmet needs of our kids. Yeah. From all of our, our door keeps flapping open from the past to the present. Yep. And we don't have an idea on how to shut that. And some of that you said is therapy. And yeah. that's why therapy is good. It's intense. Yeah, I mean, if you need it, it you know, it's definitely a tool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's why this stuff is so fun to have available in our communities. Yeah. But yeah. hopefully we'll see that 
we're always within a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can leave and go get in my car and go home mm-hmm. and I'm still within a relationship. Yeah. But right. we all function within a relationship mm-hmm. and we're always managing mm-hmm. our relationships. Yeah. And to one degree or another, they're either life-giving, hopefully, right. more than they're not. Yeah. Why do you think that, that when you were talking about that voice that would come come in and tell you like, that your work that you're doing was worthless and not worth it and all of that stuff. Why do you think that understanding or taking your, the ACE quiz and understanding your own ACE score, is it that it helped you have more self-compassion for what you'd been through? Or why do you think that that changed that voice? You know, I think, I mean, to get back to my own personal journey or anybody's journey, I think, I mean, I think there's this idea we used to spend more time with is ambivalence. Mm-hmm. You know, feeling both ways about yourself. You may think you're pretty good on some level. You may have some positive voices like, oh, my dad told me I could tie that fly really well and I could really, this is something I could really do. And now I'm a good fly tire and I have all these positive voices in my head around doing certain things. And then we also have another part of us that probably is generated from adults' dysregulation where. I've heard many people's voices in class over the years, uh, negative voices on the other side of the ambivalence scale. So, yeah, I love myself. I'm pretty good with myself. On the other side, there's, yeah, I'm not so good, and I might even hate myself. There might be these voices, and in my case, I, you know, I'm fully aware of the political voices that think that, you know, um, there are some people that think that, you know, uh, therapy is a big dud, yeah. waste of money. That yeah. Why would we waste all of our time on feelings? You know, how soft do you have to be to consider attachment? You know, yeah. and just isn't that just letting kids run all over you? Mm-hmm. You know, quite the contrary. Yeah, it's way harder. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, you know, um, you know I, so I had some of those voices. And, I, you know, when I decided to stay home with my oldest son who I love with all my heart um, my boss at the time said I'm a real man daily um, I don't stay home with my kids I provide them I make money and I'm you know I'm a right. I'm a upstanding guy in the community yeah. and you're just gonna go home and be a mom yeah I had enough ego strength and sense of myself and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to change the world and what I wanted to be that I, you know, I did what I wanted to do in that situation. Yeah. I didn't have everything together to filter out everything and all the trauma from my life that I, you know, ungraciously have, you know, passed on to my kids, which the only solace in that is, is I just trying as hard as I can all the time to, to counter repair that it. Yep. and repair that mm-hmm. and to, you know, I mean, it, you know, you, it doesn't take long to study in this profession and I love Gabor Mate and a lot of the books he's read, but you know, come on, a lot of this stuff we absorb even pre-verbally. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of self-reflection to really get it all. Yeah. But we come back around to what you said. Yeah. Just the little bit that we do is so vitally important. And you start doing fun little stuff with the kids. And the best, you know, I always talk to parents about this. The best um, flag that I can see in a family is folks enjoying each other and laughing and having fun. You know, and doing like a family game together or going out and 
you know, whatever, you, you know, just what you said about yeah. the Hope Project. It is so vitally important that we just have those times with our yeah. kids. Yeah. And I think we underestimate, like, it's like we think about how bad we've screwed up, or I do, yeah. that I underestimate, like, how much a little thing on the opposite end of that, yeah. how far it will go. You know, like, putting a note in my kids' lunch that says, yeah. I love you, I hope yeah. you're having a good day. Or last know, night, I think how we finally got over the whole, like, everything, which I was so, like, grumpy, I didn't want to do it, but I knew we needed to do it, was we we did start to be, like, goofy. We started to be silly about something, and I can't remember what, but my, my oldest, who was just a, she was just a puddle by that point of emotion and and somehow we all got laughing and it was like that moved us out of it and I think that we just we get I get so focused on how I've screwed up that I forget that like there are these tiny little things I can do that can get us back on track yeah and you just have to lead the way we really kind of condemn ourselves and we see our mistakes as being far more impactful than they really are Mm -hmm. if we just you know choose connection over Mm -hmm. you know blame all the time yeah and that's really the choice to make yeah and to get back to the ambivalent things and that we choose the positive part of ourself to feed Mm -hmm. and nurture yeah you know which dog do you feed the the dog that's you know um you know that's effective in your life that Mm -hmm. you know not the dog that's eating you to pieces on the inside but we have to be aware of those feelings yeah circle of security looked at negative Mm self-talk and they had they were serving homeless Head Start families and doctoral students. Mm -hmm. And they all had like, you know, these negative self talk, like I'll never be able to do this. I'm an effing failure. I shouldn't have even been born. I mean, stuff that is just nasty. Yeah. Do you know how they told the difference between the doctoral students and the homeless families? I'm guessing they couldn't. They they could not tell the difference. Because both are human, and all of this stuff exists on a pretty pernicious level that is very damaging. Once again, if we're not aware of it, Mm -hmm. once we're aware of it, we have more choices, and we can pick more hope choices. We can pick more positive choices. It just opens us up to choices we never had before. Mm -hmm. You know, I've replaced a lot of my negative ones. Sometimes you just replace them when they come up. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying that, I'm going to say this. Yeah, it takes a lot of practice. Yeah. Yeah. This is a funny reference, but we watched, we recently watched the Taylor Swift documentary oh. on Netflix. Oh. And she talks about a moment in her life where she uses the language in the stuck with me of just like, I'm going to change the channel, you know, in my mind. Oh. Like I'm oh. having a, a cool. negative self-talk. I'm just, I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm changing the channel. So once again, we don't want to be... Uh, downers mm-hmm. and say, oh, we just got to focus on this negative stuff. But we have to know that it's there so we can change the yeah, channel. Right. Totally. Right. It, or else it might not occur to us to yeah. change the channel. Right. That's the whole thing. And that's what's so enlivening about mm-hmm. doing this work. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it may seem like we're focusing on negative mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but we're really not. We're, yeah. We're weeding the garden. Right. Right. Well, and there's this whole idea of like toxic positivity too, where it's like if you just tell people to bypass their trauma and their negative self-talk and just choose, like force yourself to just always choose the positive channel, that doesn't work either. That's actually like so much more damaging in my own life than looking at what the negative stuff is. There's actually on the, you know, I I took a lot of um, 
training and circle of security um, assessment. And there's an overly bright kind of personality that's not sincere. And that children are kind of turned off by. Totally. Because you know, it's not genuine. Yeah, you really need a certain sincerity in all this. Yeah. And, and when are we ever who we want to be? You know, we're becoming who we yeah. want to be. Yeah. I don't know anybody that's became who they are. Mm-hmm. We're always becoming. Right. And you don't have to worry too much about am I sincere or not? Just be sincere. Yeah. Right. And with yourself, <laughs> Just, yeah, too. Yeah. Be sincere yeah. and honest to the best degree you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've struggled horribly with that. You know, because yeah. I've, I've had to hide my feelings because I grew up in an alcoholic family. Mm-hmm. I've had to take detours so I didn't make anybody mad. And, yeah, totally. You know, mm-hmm. say, you know, and say anything catastrophic as mm-hmm. a five-year-old. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to piss off all the powers around here at four years old and really cave the family in. And it, at that point, it's a totally survival mechanism, right? So it makes sense yeah. that as you grow older that is going to stick with you the most because somewhere inside of you, you're convinced that it's keeping you alive. Yeah. And that's like a hard thing to let go of. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of this stuff is, you know, set, I mean, it's really our friend, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sometimes you have friends that you have to move on from, but they're yeah. still your friend. Yeah. Right. They're not, they're not like an evil assassin that's trying to, you know, off you. Right. Yeah. You know, they're just, we need, you know, we need to have better friends around us maybe sometimes now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Well, oh, one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, Greg, because I know you're really passionate about this. Two more. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Is that, oh, because you have something too. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. It's just... just that I we talk about sometimes how there is a lot of emphasis on maternal mental health yes. and on, on moms and on, and on stabilizing them and helping them to be successful. And I'm not going to sit here and say that's not important because that's my, I work for an organization healthy called Healthy Mothers, mothers healthy, babies. healthy Babies. But we've had this discussion before and I don't disagree yeah. that dads are left right now in a position that they really feel like they're not included in the healthy, positive changes so, of their families. So ready, set, go. So, you know, I mean, just, you just said something that I, there, there's a lot of things that you're saying that are really fun to listen to and I'm not responding to, but we did have, we did have a man's man dad in your class and nobody's ever going to know who he is because there was a number of dads in that class. Mm -hmm. wasn't there? I've really done a lot to try to, you know, welcome dads Mm -hmm. to the class, but you know what he started doing? He started writing his kids little notes like you did. Yep. I remember I mean, that and actually. Nobody came. And I, mean, I remember like tearing because nobody up. said anything about that. Nobody said, "Here's a good idea." I no. mean, that wasn't anything that anybody presented in We're the class. We're both like tearing up. It was a big moment yeah. because yeah, it was a total switch for him. I know there's federal funding that's listed as maternal child health money, but I would greatly, you know, like to strengthen the family and yeah, strengthen the bonds at home and give give dads the idea that they are vitally important. Yeah. You know, if you have a traditional home and you have a mom that becomes the primary caregiver, I mean, we talked about how baby grows up Mm -hmm, in mom's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, being and feels all of her um, rhythms and energies Mm -hmm. and reactions to the world and then is born and then hopefully is nursed Mm 
Mm-hmm. And if you know, those are all things that if you can't nurse, you can't nurse. Um, um, but even feeding is a bonding just, but just time. Just feeding yeah. is a bonding time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as we go ahead, so mom becomes primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. So why are we going to argue about the secondary caregiver? Why is it? Why do we? You know, I see. I also work in high conflict divorce. Mm-hmm. It's the most wonderful thing in the world to have a child who is safe and has all their needs met by their primary caregiver. That means there's a solid bridge being built mm-hmm. to the secondary caregiver, mm-hmm. from the secondary caregiver to the extended family, mm-hmm. from the extended family yeah. to teachers yeah. to bosses. I mean, yeah. it's just a network that starts. Yeah in a really healthy relationship. Yeah. And I think that, that what I've experienced and what I've seen is that things, it used to be assumed, right. That like the dad just went to work, provided blah, blah, blah. Like that was the traditional kind of thing that was going on. And then dads became more involved and things started to equalize a little bit more, but it's like the educational piece and the acknowledgement piece of that didn't catch up. And so like in my experience with our first, it was like my husband at the time, like really wanted to help. But he didn't really know how. We didn't really know where to go. There were tons of resources for me, but not for him. So then what happened, though, was that I was like, well, fine, you don't know how to do it, obviously, so I'll just do it. So then I took on everything, and it became this, like, power dynamic and control thing. And it was super not helpful for anyone. And I think that that happens a lot. And it's a difficult position for men to be in. Yeah that really want to do something, that mm-hmm. really want to help, that mm-hmm. are sitting on the sidelines sometimes with a small infant wanting mom exclusively. Totally. And feeling somehow displaced but not seeing where they're vitally important yeah. in that time and in that role mm-hmm. yeah. for what they do have to mm-hmm. offer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a big thing. In your ideal world, like someone gives Greg Daly a magic wand and you could change... <laughs> And make make those early years more inclusive for dads or partners that are that are caregiving. Like, what would you? What is your like vision for what would be most helpful for for the whole family? Yeah. You know, honestly, I'm really trying to do it, and I, I would hope that. I mean, I would just really hope that this state of mind that we're talking about. Mm-hmm would be this technology that we have at our fingertips would be shared with every family mm-hmm. on some level in a very non-blaming, non-judgmental way. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people, when they say, hey, do you want some information about your parenting? They go, what's wrong with my parenting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Would you yeah. like some information on attachment? Yeah. My, my dream is, is that, you know, we, you know, that we have stronger families u- utilizing attachment theory and attachment stuff that's so easy. Mm-hmm. The thing about Circle of Security that's so wonderful is it makes it so user-friendly. Mm-hmm. There is so much, you know, uh, you know, I've read a lot of attachment research and articles and lectures, and it can be really confusing yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. I mean, and I don't know why should it be so damn confusing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. It's, you know, but to really kind of understand it from your own unique perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not replacing your religion. It's not replacing anything in your life that's important culturally to you. It's really giving you some technology on what basic needs mm-hmm. 
need to be met in the family mm-hmm. and base and how to improve relationships. I would just make sure that everyone had that. And then I would fan out and I would see a community where childcare, you know, that we were as close to our childcare person as, you know, they would become one of the family. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, really in childcare, I run into a lot of folks that do childcare that think, God, we should have circle of security in childcare. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's offered much there. Now, I don't know. I haven't done an exhaustive yeah. look at that. But, you know, I think anywhere we're taking our kids, and if we can't change the toxic culture to where, you know, we can have somebody stay home with the kids long enough. When I first started this, Medicaid let moms stay home a year to nurture their babies. And now somehow we're like, you know, arguing over six weeks. And less and pressuring women to get out there on Medicaid to, you know, get back in the swing of things and get a job. What happened there? I don't know, but whatever happened is not panning out very well. And I don't know what's taking so long for people to see that. I would love to see the state of mind and the focus shift back to the family. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we couldn't have the engines of industry running pretty hard and strong. Right but that we could just have families have the things that they need to complete that stuff. And then I don't see a place in the world for a totally healthy family anymore. Mm -hmm. But having said that, I do see childcare providers that could be, you know, carrying this information and having a safe place for our children and Mm -hmm. developing, you know, community Mm -hmm. networks that are much more, supportive than what we have now right now people are just really kind of they're having a hard place to find a live a hard place to find childcare, having difficulties with transportation and rent and all that stuff i mean and all those stressors like that does not make for easy parenting or easy just existing yeah and it just adds to the shark music that you're talking about at the table it's like playing all the time i'm putting all my (laughs) chips in on this meal and this is what you think of me yeah you know then you right. know, that opens up the door to, you know, when you weren't wanted somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. But, so. you know, I mean, I guess, you know, it's a modest magical wand. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess I would want, you know, the thing, I guess when I think a magical wand, I would say you'd wave it over people's heads and they would right away all the bad ideas we have and all the poor advice we get, let them cry it out kind of advice Mm -hmm. would be flushed down the toilet and it would be nothing but a vacuous space where our internal intelligence of the human being would just rush in and take its place. Because I think that's all in a sense it would be. That's all attachment. Right. We're here because of attachment. Right. Over the many thousands of years we've been developing, that's why we're here. Yeah. We're not here because we had a hard time at attaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We're here because we're good at it. Yeah. So yeah. We, need to, we need to fall back a little bit and get good at it again. Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, I mean, it's fueling the ADD, the, you know, all the kids that are struggling with anxiety in this culture and suicidality all of this stuff is directly related to what we're talking about yeah i agree and the rush to medicate them and i'm not anti-medication i'm just saying that it's so much more than that yeah 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 so yeah all right 
what is that else? a good magic wand? That's a good magic wand. <laughs> I mean, I guess I should have expected. It, it, took, it took me a while like, to grab. I like. It. Well, I like that. Like first, you like had the practical magical wand in hand, yeah. and then you were like, actually, the magical then magical I, wand would I be just, would do this. It would I like poof to, and boom. I decided to take it. Yeah. And yeah. maybe that's a little bit of my life in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Deciding to grab it, deciding yeah. to embrace it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Greg Daly. Thank you. Anything you want to add? No, I just, you know, my heart goes out to everyone mm-hmm. that's listening to this podcast and just what it is a, you know, it, it is quite a struggle and quite a journey. None so rewarding, but there's so much hope involved here. Mm-hmm. There's more now than we've ever had yeah. available to us to heal yeah. and to do well. Because I've never, you know, I do a lot of pre-survey stuff with, with uh, folks. Everybody wants to do better than what they got. Totally. Yeah. Everybody wants to nurture their children better. Yep. Everybody wants to see their kids leave the home with strength and a sense of themselves and a a sense of how they belong in the world. Yep. And when they see that breaking down, I think folks really get helpless. And in a way, I, I understand that helplessness. Yeah. It's pretty complex. But we really have another, we have options and alternatives that are freaking real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I would like to just leave here today thinking, wow. Yeah. We yeah. really do have a lot. There's yeah. a lot of us here. We're everywhere and yep. we're going to get this done. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think it's one of the most universal th- things in the world is that parents care about their kids and they want their kids to feel well loved and successful in the world. Yeah. Like I just well, think there really, aren't very many It really is. things well, that are that universal. What was her name? The, fi- the famous archaeologist. Um, oh gee let me think <laughs> that was a woman that went, you know, know went in you know to you know she you know there wasn't a lot of female archaeologists mm-hmm. i'll think of her name but that's how she was so successful with the some of the clans she ran into is she just showed them her grandkids yeah those are my grandkids yeah. she'd point to the photos and yep. they got all excited about it mm-hmm. we all are cross-culturally excited about our kids yeah and yeah. even, you know, even, I mean, and, and for the most part, there's psychopaths out there and, you know, and there's folks that, you know, have some true pathology on either end of the spectrum. But most of us are really just trying to do the best we can, Yep. you know, with the information that comes our way. Yeah. And we just need folks to say, hey, here's the information we're going to flood yeah. society with. We yep. have it. We know what yeah. works. Yeah, and we do show notes after every one of these episodes, and we will be flooding the show notes with all kinds of information about where to find circle security classes, yeah, <laughs> where Gabber Mate, yeah. you know, everything that we mentioned in the interview, we can, we'll list it so that our listeners can go, oh, cool. And just so, you know, I, I work with a lot of therapists and providers mm-hmm. and people in different areas. And we've all agreed that circle of security is not the darling approach and, you know, the one and only solution, but it is a wonderful foundation. Yeah. So we, I've come up with this airport thing that that's your airport, your, your attachment to your kids and the best you can do. If you have a good airport with a good runway, you can land that, 
you know, doctoral level program, that high school education, that PCIT, you know, whatever you need to do to heal your family. Mm-hmm. It's just going to work better if you have a good understanding of these primary relationships. Yeah. And attachment. Agreed. Attachment. Attachment. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's a wrap. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to our incredible editor and producer, Brooke Boone Miller, for sharing her gifts with us. She is a mom and she gets it, and for that we are so grateful. If you are seeking supportive parenting resources, please visit hmhb-lifts.org, an online guide meant to connect Montana families to services and programs throughout the state. It's okay not to be okay. Help is within reach, and you don't have to go this alone. We promise. And if mother love speaks to you as much as we hope it does, please consider supporting this project by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your network, and or writing us a quick review. We are passionate about getting these stories out into the world, and we need you to help us spread the word. Oh, and just one more thing. We know a lot of moms who are really fired up about creating change in the maternal health care world. If you feel inspired to make a donation to this movement, please go to hmhb-mt.org slash donate or click the link in the show notes. Even just a 5 or $10 donation can make a huge difference. Imagine a future where mothers and caregivers feel supported, seen, and heard as they carry out the most important work of their lives. <laughs>